This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, at Viva La Cats Pod, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date uni tracker info from Steve. This week, we have a familiar voice in the house. What's up, gentlemen? <laughs> a name from the past. Uh, our guy, Donnie, uh, he was uh, the original host of this show, the original, uh, one of the uh, first idea generators. I, I want to hear, Donnie, was it actually you or who came up with the idea for the radio show back in the day? Uh, I don't know exactly. I, I feel like I don't know that I want to take credit for that, but I definitely uh, push for it to happen. I'm, I'm an ideas guy. I always have been. I, I come up with great ideas. I throw them at you and other people and, and, and you guys make them happen and do them better than I could actually execute it. So I don't want to take too much credit there. We need ideas, people around here, you know, yeah. <laughs> creative people. We need to be told what to do. You know, that's true. Well, that's my job. One thing that I would find very interesting uh, for somebody who's got ideas, somebody needs to give the Bearcats ideas how to fix uh, the program right now. Um, in a bit of turbulence, um, we are currently on the season a whopping 17 and 10. We have officially eclipsed double digit losses, 7 and 7 in conference. And what is something that I never thought I'd say again in my life, um, or at all really, is the fact that we got swept by Temple this year, um, which when you really do the math, uh, quick research, uh, it is the first time since 2015-2016 season uh, that Temple has swept the Bearcats and also accounts for the first win um, going back to their earlier win against us this season um, since that 2015-16 season as well. Um, so... Bearcats never led once in this game, which is actually absurd. Um, the first half was almost exactly what we did to Wichita in the game prior, in which Temple dropped 47 points. And so, for both of you, I ask, what is the problem here? Is it the defense, the offense, rebounding? Is it the attitude of the team, the effort? Is it the players? Is it the coaching? I don't know. <laughs> what's, what's the most glaring issues in the program right now? I think the the uh, kind of one of the shocking things is that we have not been getting better throughout the season. We've been really, if not stagnating, getting worse in some areas. Some players who showed promise earlier on definitely seem like they regressed, like uh, Vic Locken, 
Uh, sure, guys have had flashes of greatness. Ma had a great game a few games ago. Uh, DDJ had some great games. Uh, you know, what's his face? Uh, JD Davenport will, or will hit a bunch of threes, but then he'll also break a bunch. It just doesn't feel <laughs> like there's much of a uh, character to the team right now. And I think mm-hmm. that does have to do with a lot of the fact that they are just kind of a mismatch of players. I mean, there's been three coaches in four years, yep. uh, a lot of different transfers and new players, and they just never really found an identity. I mean, they had some great moments early in the season, but it just never really clicked. And it's been a long season that's been disappointing. And, uh, you know, especially after you, this last uh, stretch of playing four games in eight days and it doesn't really feel like you have much left to play for. I think the yep. effort definitely lacked in a lot of different areas. And uh, they're probably a little uh, d- disappointed with how the season goes, has gone, and it, and it affected their play. And just kind of, you know, losing begets more losing. Definitely. Uh, uh, like, I want to hear more from you, Donnie, because you've been in the building for, like, every home game, right? And it just seems like the energy has just gone down game after game after game. And I was with you with uh, for the Monmouth game. Uh, I kind of talked about that that Arkansas game is kind of the turning point of the season where, you know, we were 5-0 and heading into that game. And since and after losing that game, we're 12-10 and in the rest of the season. And obviously, this last stretch hasn't helped that number at all, but – feels like they really got hot early and it just kind of overruled expectations. People thought, okay, yeah, cats basketball, like you like to say, Donnie, the cats are back. Uh, in cats fact, back, they were baby. not back uh, no. <laughs> uh, right away. Um, but I've been preaching it's year one for Wes and he, he's got to get some good, better players in the program. I just don't think we have the talent right now. And obviously like, you know, the effort is not there and, the fact that we're giving up like nearly 80 points in every one of these games, except for that game against uh, USF, just not Bearcats basketball. It's just unfathomable to think about after watching all those Mick teams for so many years. And even like an older person would tell you like those Huggins teams back in the day, like they were, this program is built on defense. So Mm -hmm. it's just really disheartening. Yeah, I mean, when, when we're getting things like like in the last game, when it seemed, I think multiple times it happened where uh, there was an offensive rebound on a free throw against us. And, you know, things like that are just pure effort. Like, just box that guy out and that doesn't happen. Like, that's, that's you just have to, like, do that. And so, honestly, things like that make me think of coaching. And I know everyone wants to praise Wes 100%. I think he's got a lot on his plate focusing on getting the team. There's a lot of different things going wrong. Uh getting a team that doesn't really quite have the talent to compete, uh, you know, against the Memphis and the Houston's of the world. And, uh, you know, this is definitely a challenge for him. I think this first year is a lot different than say, uh, Brandon or even Mick Cronin's first year. It it does ring true more to Luke Fickle's first year. And everyone has a lot of great things to say about Wes, but he's still learning to coach, you know, at a higher level too. And, uh, you know, it's a learning process for him as well. And I I don't, I don't want to just purely praise him because, some of the things like effort and just like getting the guys to box out, not taking crazy threes two seconds into the shot clock. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think everyone has some some process to go through. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to jump on too. I'm glad that you mentioned that um, specifically because Wes has definitely had a lot of high points and there's been some good points of coaching and like his guys have seemed motivated, but um, towards the tail end, it really has seemed to kind of taper off a bit and. Um, I'm with you on that. I feel like 
it's I feel like the level of effort is visible or visibly lower um, game by game. And especially now that, um, as we've mentioned, we're kind of in the tail end where we're seeing, you know, we've got what four games left on the calendar uh, this year before the conference tournament. Um, I don't see any reason as a player or as a fan or as a coach to really be excited other than, you know, until we start to go play in um, Texas for the tournament. Like it's just, there's no motivation for any of those guys. And I, I agree. Like the biggest thing for me is just, we got to quit hucking up the three. I mean, I love, I love the three ball. Like at the beginning, you know, it's the live and die by three. It was exciting because when we live by the three, we're gassing everybody on the court. Um, and when they're hitting, I mean, those games, like they get super exciting. We saw it against Wichita, um, just last week, like the cats start out so hot. We had what, like 45 first half points, something like that. Um, but when yeah, you go that, out, that then, game was great. And it, and it, uh, it makes you wonder where that went. And when you rely on a three like that, it can be, uh, you know, you live by, it, you die by it. Uh, but yeah. I, I think a lot of what has to do with Bearcats basketball has very high expectations. And I think that's the the players come here knowing that. And so they're disappointed when they're, when they're losing 10 games a season mm-hmm. and the, you know, the fans, we talk about the, the atmosphere at, at the, uh, at fifth third arena and it hasn't quite been what it was, you know, when I was a senior back in 2018 uh, it, and you know, the fans don't, aren't just trying to see their team have a middle of the road AAC year and maybe squeak into the NIT at this point. Uh, <laughs> they expect a lot more and, and so, sure, it just gets more deflating, you know, the, when it when it's when we're not, you know, a number two seed like we were, you know, four years ago. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, and I think one big thing I've noticed too is like if you look at the past few years, of course, you expect with Brandon, you know, there would be some, um, you know, we had account for higher losses. You got a new coach, new system. A lot of your guys are out, um, you know, that you had going to the draft and things like that, but. Um, to be 17 and 10 at this point in the season, when you still have four more games on the schedule before conference tournament, um, I definitely think like that. That's the first time that's happened since uh, probably like the 15, 16 season or so. Um, you know, we played decently that year and we had some pretty good games, but Mick was still figuring out before everything really hit its stride with Jake, Gary, Troy. Um, well, was that Kyle. the year? Sorry, Justin. Was that the year where we lost like? five games that we should have won that were like within, within a point or overtime. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> it was like we, we, we were better than our record, but it was still in the uh, same spot where we weren't sure we we're going to make the tournament. Oh, like road games too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think uh, looking through on here, I think our AP high peak was uh 17 for ranking, um, but ended up unranked at the end of the year um, with a nine seed in the turn uh, in the NCAA tournament. So, but yeah, looking back on those kind of things and like once the team finally materialized and got in order, like it felt like everything was moving right. And then, of course, you know, we had some struggles in the tournament, which is the big reason why Mick is out. And then now we look at it there. <laughs> everything has kind of been downhill. Um, Brandon seemed like an interesting hire and then um, wanted to see how that panned out. And clearly that did not. Um, and now we're kind of sitting in a similar position to Brandon's first year. Um, with Wes, where we have the expectation that the next year we've really got to turn things up and we've got to fix some of the problems that we had. Um, Because, of course, the first year under Brandon, we had, what, like six, seven overtime games, something insane like that. Um, And then, of course, the year after is COVID with everything else happening. So 
Um, I think I'm I'm definitely with you guys on that. Is our expectations are a lot higher um, than a double digit loss season. I mean, and that's so hard to materialize, especially for a first year coach like Wes in this uh, system at this level of play. But um, I'm curious. I wanted to ask you, Steve. Um, after watching, you know, through Wichita and Temple and this kind of stretch that we've had, um, what do you really think is the biggest issue? Uh, it's a lot about uh, the defense. The defense is really just, I think, I think I don't even know really. I'm not a basketball guy per se. I'm not in the weeds on X's and O's, but it looks like we're playing a man and all of our man, like all of our man sets, we overcommit. And there's always like some yep. kind of back door, like right at the bucket where they can just mm-hmm. make an easy layup and keep going. Or like, it always seemed like whenever like a team was going to beat the Mick Cronin Bearcats, it was like, they just took threes and got hot. And like, that was how Xavier <laughs> beat us all those fucking years was that, Mick Cronin just would not defend the three-point line, and you know Xavier put up all those shots. And I, I mean, I was definitely softened my take on Mick. I was harsh on him a couple years ago. I was better on him last year, and this year I'm like I, you know, I I have no ill will toward him. I hope he does well. But and like that was just kind of like the reason why we would lose some of those games is a hot shooting three-point team would just come like hit the lights out of out of the ball in Iowa. Just, yeah, don't don't that remind me. Yeah. Remind me. But um, I think the other thing too, Justin, is that uh, what worked for us in the Wichita game, what I noticed and what has what didn't work for us in the Temple game is transition. Like we like we saw it earlier in yeah. the year, like that Georgia sucks, but that game against them, we had that 17-0 run. It was all like transition buckets, I'm pretty sure. Like we were just getting rebounds, going down, finding a quick bucket and scoring. But like a lot of players have regressed too. Like uh, Donnie, I don't know if you mentioned uh, Mikey Saunders at the start uh, of the show, but I feel like he's regressed a lot this year too. We were looking for him to really take a big step forward after a promising freshman year, and I really don't think he's had it. He's every time he goes to the hole, like he seems to not want the contact, and he tries to go in and do a scoop shot, and either gets blocked or he misses, and that that's just the worst thing you can do for a team that's already struggling is to miss free throws. Like I think everybody hates that. Like as a fan, just watching your team miss, like I said free throws, I'm sorry, layups, layups right around the rim. Yeah. It's just very disappointing. And Donnie, I've been talking to Justin about this, but I think you'd agree. Like you see basketball need a dominant big man. You need a presence inside the paint. Now mm. there are definitely guards we can mention, obviously SK, Troy Copain, Jacob Evans, Jaron Cumberland, like, you know, those guys, last two guys might be more wings. And then you got like Steve Logan back in the day, Nick Van Axel, but this program for the past 30 years has had a dominant big man when it's really been successful. You know, you got Gary Clark, uh, Justin Jackson, Octavius Ellis, uh, you know, like Titus Rubles, like, I mean, and then in the Huggins years, you got Jason Maxiel, Kenyon Martin, Danny Fortson, Herb Jones, like there's all these guys that have had some big NBA careers and or have gotten some time in the NBA have been dominant presences within the post on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. They're able to get you a bucket right around the rim and they play just incredible defense. And obviously we've sorely missed that over the past three years. Like in Trayvon Scott definitely gave us his all, but I wouldn't call him like that 
I don't know, maybe I should call him a dominant big man because he kind of helped the team a lot that last Brandon season, but I wouldn't put him on that same level as a Gary Clark. I think that's fair to say. But Yeah, I mean, so so the game has changed a lot, right, where guard play and shooting the three ball is more important than ever. Uh, but I do agree that you need some, some more presence inside, and I think presence is the key word there. We haven't had many players recently – that really feel like they're a dominating presence. We've had tall guys. We've got guys seven foot, you know, Chris Vogt uh, and Koval and, and these guys that have come in. But Abdullah Du at times, I guess, is kind of a presence down there. But he's not really a scorer. Like, I want also not just defense. You know, I want a guy that we can give it give it down there and post up and just score inside. I feel like sometimes these guys, even when they get rebounds, there's they're soft going up or they're not really yeah. hustling for the rebound. And, like, Maybe that's just not in those guys' skill set, and that's that's okay. That's not the player they are. But I, I do think this team, you know, we we always pride ourselves on the grit and the toughness of Cincinnati, and I don't I haven't really seen that this year. I, I was yeah, you know, talking about that the last game I went to where the Temple game where it felt like they weren't even hustling for rebounds, and uh, you know, even besides the, the the free throw situation I mentioned, just in general, it's like the shot goes up, and most of the team, pretty much all of the team, just starts going the other way, whether it's a make or miss. Uh, yeah. and, but then in the last minute, Wes got on them about it finally. And in that last like 45 seconds, they're hustling for rebounds and they're, yeah. they're getting offensive <laughs> boards and it starts making a difference. And I get that if you, if you play literally that hard, the entire game, you're going to have no legs after game four, but there's gotta be some in between where we can make a little more effort there. And that's, and then the grittiness of the, you know, the effort and the grittiness there is, is what will, you know, show us who can do that and who can be that big man. Cause like right now, basically all those guys that we have that are, you know, taller than six, eight are kind of interchangeable to me where none of them really separated themselves. You know, Lockin had flashes, a dude has, has had flashes, but it's that effort. And, you know, there has to be a reason we want to go to you. And the reason you have to earn your minutes, none of these guys are really earning minutes. I want to jump in on that right away because I definitely agree with that. Um, and that's one thing I haven't really thought about until you brought it to light is that like, there isn't a starter. Uh, when it comes to anybody over six eight, like when you uh, look at our you know tall forwards and our center, which actually our only center on roster is uh, Koval, but when you look at all those guys, like you said, they are very interchangeable. I think Newman, obviously, um, you know he's like he's not even he's not even up there. He's like six five, but regardless, like even looking at most of our forwards, I'd say Newman's probably the only one that really deserves a starting spot. Every other single one of those guys, you just pop in. And I think that lack of, um, I wouldn't say desire or lack of, um, you know, talent really shows, but like, it's just, it doesn't feel like anybody wants those minutes. Um, it doesn't feel like anybody has like earned that spot night in, night out or night in and night out. Um, yeah. And I, let me jump back in. I, I, yeah. I think what I want to like emphasize is, and I'm not, I don't want to like attack these kids effort. Like, I think they all not. love the game of basketball. They want to win. They want to, you know, they're, they're in a way they're trying their hardest. And I think that's where the coaching needs to help them take that next step and like help them realize that they can be doing more. And like, like I think they genuinely believe they're doing everything they can to win the games. And, uh, and I, I love the players on our team. I think they're a lot of fun to watch, especially, you know, every single one of them on the roster has had some great moments this year. Uh, and I, I have a lot of trust that, that Wes uh, can get them there in the future. Uh, but it's about getting to them to that next level that they don't even realize they have. Yeah. Oh, two things well, uh, to agree with that. Like one, Donnie, I agree with you. 
Justin Apple times this year that they haven't like had any, like, you know, they haven't prepared their, uh, the guys on a certain situation that came up in the game. Like this recent example, the Memphis game, they said we had never seen a press like that. And, you know, Donnie, we said it, but mm-hmm. like how many presses are there in the game of basketball? There's like two, three, maybe like it's really not that complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like the fact that we were not prepared for that at all. is just, I, that, that does say, say a lot to me. And, uh, the, you're, I think you're right too on the defensive end that like we have two seven footers there, but we keep giving up layups right at the rim or like, we're not able to run guys off the three point line. It seems like we're over committing, like run a one, three, one zone or something like uh, switch it up. We can't keep, I, I mean, I, I think we're running man, like who knows, but if we're running man, we should switch to a zone. <laughs> so, uh, but the other thing too is, uh, and this will be my final point on this little thing about the you know the culture and stuff. We keep talking about like you know those those guys. I've brought it up about the history and a lot of older guys that are on the team. There's no one on this roster other than Sam Martin that's been uh, coached by Mick Cronin anymore. So yep. the the culture is really going to depend on Wes Miller and what he brings to mm-hmm. this university because John Brandon. We can blame him. Uh, for the rest of the year, but he's gone now. He, he can't yeah. hurt us anymore. And you know, that's, that's fine, but it's just, it's all on West now. He has still that culture and I love what he's doing by tapping in with the, like the alumni, but really like, you know, he should talk to them more and just should be honest with them and say, look, coach, this is not Cincinnati basketball. You got to really like get this together. And, I think we can all say as Cats fans, we grew up watching this basketball team. We, we didn't grow up watching the football team. We were around like right. our first years were probably three oh four oh five. We still remember Bob Huggins coaching this team. I don't know about you, Justin. You might be a little bit younger than us, but <laughs> like, I mean, we still remember those days when like, I mean, or at least I can. It's tangible to me that you know those Bearcat teams of the early two thousands were that good and. And I saw how good this program can be under Mick Cronin. But, like the fact that, like you know, Keith decided to you know, go another year somewhere else. Good for him. But there's no one other than Sam Martin that's been coached by Mick Cronin on this roster anymore. And I think that just says a lot about the culture and about you know the toughness. And I, I think it's just got to be a thing on West where he obviously ingratiates the past and brings in all those big guys that he, and he has been bringing them in this year to talk to the team, but I think West just has to like really set up the culture for Cincinnati basketball once again. And I think we're going to get there. I think this off season is going to be good. Uh, you know, we, we've got some good recruits coming in solid, uh, not elite yet, but uh, solid, I'd say a solid upper third of any class that Mick Cronin brought in. Uh, and, you know, he's going to continue to work with his guys, get those more, more of those practices. in. I mean, that team really came together kind of late, bunch of scrap pieces. And, uh, you know, we, we love watching all them. We have like an emotional connection to them, but there's more talented basketball players out there. And I think they're going to want to play for Wes Miller. And when he gets that combination of talent and his, you know, as much as we, we nitpick some of the coaching things we've talked about, I think people love playing for him. I think he's a great players coach. I think he knows the game of basketball really well. I think it's going to come together. We just got to be a little patient. Yeah. And, and it, the other thing too, is that like people will want to play in the big 12, like big 12 was probably right. the best basketball conference after realignment. Like I, I would, I mean, I'm biased, but I think it is like, it's 
going to be a really good conference. And I think that will draw uh, another high level of recruit. And like we had a, a five-star come in for a visit. Like I, I, I didn't really follow basketball recruiting uh, when I was in college, you know, but I feel like we'd, we haven't had a five-star in here for a, even a visit before, like just saying, you know, we got a five-star in here speaks to the level of recruiter that Wes Miller can be. And just kind of like, even bother. yeah, yeah. I think that was yeah. the thing that pissed me off about him so much is, once he went to UCLA, he started recruiting that caliber of player, and like <laughs> local players, you know, and he never even bothered to do that here. Like, I mean, it's kind Lance of Lance Stevenson record. was the only five star, I think. Yeah. Was he a five star? I believe so. He was yeah. like top 10 that year. That was kind of a package deal with, uh, with SK because they were just such good friends. Like SK was already coming and Lance was like, okay, I'll come too. Uh, so I don't even know if you would count that, but Justin, you said once that like Macy Oteague would have loved to play for the Bearcats and like would have yeah. loved to hear like been recruited by Cincinnati, and, but he never got called. And like you know, Kyle Guy's another one where loved to hear a call back from Cincinnati about getting recruited there, and he never got one. And it just, yep, I don't know that that just again, <laughs> I'm bringing Luke up Kennard. old shit. Yeah, Luke Kennard is another one. I, I'm bringing up old yeah. shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, but Nick, like Nick it's go, but yeah. It's it's relevant though too because it definitely shows like the desire that um you know the not just the fans have but I think the program as a whole has like we need to stop letting some of these guys go based on you know whatever system that we're trying to build and really just go for the talent and I think Wes is going to be the guy that would actually do that um I definitely think that was just mixed scheme which is like he's like I don't want you know he's like I don't want the guy who's going to be you know, best of the best, flashy. I want the guy that I can make sure has no uh, attitude of this or that, and I can just mold him however I want. Um, which is, you know, there's two very different approaches. Which, of course, now he's gone the complete opposite way, and it's it's painful to see how well he's doing at UCLA um, by following that sort of system, uh, where you just get anybody who you can, whoever's the most talented, put them on the floor because at the end of the day, that's what works. But um, I think, like I said, I think that Wes is going to be that guy. Um, but this actually will be a good transition point for me here um, to ask this question, uh, specifically looking at Wes and recently extended Johnson, Luke Fickle. Um, they're in two similar-esque sort of positions when it comes to the first season. Um, we, were, we obviously all have high expectations going into next year. Um, and unfortunately, Wes isn't going to have um, as much as I would, you know, not discredit by any means Luke Fickle in this, but is not going to have the benefit of being able to play in the American um, for his first five seasons. Uh, he's going to get one more, and then it's going to be really playing against the big boys in the Big 12. But um, fixed first season, uh, the Bearcats went four and eight. Um, and so far in the Bearcats first season under Wes Miller, they've gone 17 and 10. Um, and I think, you know, those are very different numbers, but at the same time, like level of expectation and feeling around the team feels similar. Um, and so I don't really know what an 11 win season in football would equate to in basketball. I would say probably like 26, but that was sort of the mark after that in the, uh, 17, I believe 17, 18, 
if I've got my numbers right here, it's hard to keep track of years, but Thick went 11 and 2, 11 and 3, 9 and 1, and 13 and 1 after going 4 and 8. Um, so by year five, Luke Fickle made the final four, of course, in the college football playoff. Um, so now with an almost whole season under the belt, do you, do you guys actually see that as a realistic possibility? Speaking right now, with all the facts that we have, with all the opinions that we have around Wes Miller, do you think that he could be that guy within a five-year mark that could get the Bearcats uh, to that kind of level? Yeah, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, you've seen he, he's getting the recruits at least in the door that can make that happen down the road. Uh, you know, I'll say for Mick Cronin, who all, all considered was a great coach and brought our program to great success after inheriting an absolute fire, inheriting even a worse situation, I'd say, than Bran left us. Uh, it took him a decade, really, to get to where he was a – where they were really like almost a one seed, were a two seed with really a chance to go to the Final Four, which we don't yeah. need to discuss. Uh, <laughs> But it was a steady progress. I mean, you could look at his like rankings where they finished throughout the season. Like it was like a steadily like getting slightly better each year. And you know, it takes time. And uh, you know, unless Wes is bringing in a bunch of five stars, you can't really expect it to flip in one year. And Memphis yeah. has proven that that's not everything either. So uh, Memphis proves it, proves that coaching goes a long way. Yeah, exactly. It's not all about that. So uh, you know, I, I think the comparison's great. Uh, I'd love to have Wes continue to turn the program around and get us to that, you know, that final four. Uh, I'm going to be patient. And if it doesn't happen on the exact same trajectory, uh, you know, it's okay too. So, uh, you know, his, his protege, Wes Miller's protege is Roy Williams, his old coach from, from UNC. I'm pulling up Roy's, you know, time at UNC because I think that that program was kind of moribund when he took it over and, it it took him two years to win uh, a regular season tournament, but he won uh, the regular season uh, in 2005 after taking that UNC job in 2003, and they won the entire thing in 2005. And well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's obviously North Carolina. That's way different right. than us. <laughs> like we can we can't even hold a flame to North Carolina. But if you know we're following like the Roy Williams playbook more than the Coach Fickle playbook. I mean, like Wes is gonna. You know, Roy Williams is a generational basketball coach. He's really good, and obviously, it's not as simple as rolling the ball out and letting the guys play because North Carolina is on the bubble right now, like with their new coach. And by the way, having Roy there was uh, pretty sweet uh, the other night when he was wearing that UC pullover. That was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah I was hoping he was wearing some black and white Jordans too because that, <laughs> you know, and having Roy in the building as a UCATS member that can only go. I can only help us when it comes to try and get that Jordan deal back. Yeah. Because I think that would also help recruiting too, is having, having that Jordan deal, have that swag back. But I mean, I, I think that yeah, we can look at, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I, I think you can look at, um, at Roy Williams is kind of like the idea that Wes wants to have when he coaches at, at UC, he wants to be able to bring in the best talent, play good defense and, and like try to, in the conference, which is ACC at that time, and you know, for the last 15 years with Coach K in it, was a really tough basketball league. One of the toughest, if not for our Big East at the same time. Like, one of the toughest leagues in college basketball. And I, I think if he understands the job, he understands 
what he needs to do to bring back the culture, like just like Roy Williams did at at North Carolina. And I I feel like he's going to be successful. He's got the right mentors. Um, there was a for the Temple game earlier this year. Uh, Fran Dumphy apparently came to West Miller before the game, and uh, they were talking for a good fifteen minutes because I guess he and West play golf every now and then. But uh, he's got the right proteges, and he's got right people around to surround himself with and you know to be able to build this thing back up and the best thing is too is that he understands what what this program really means even though he's not from here he said in his press conference he watched basketball basketball he gets it it. and that's i think that's the most important part because i think john brandon liked it here but i don't know if like he really understood it and we can talk about it later but like i think if he hit that team somehow got like a top eight seed, like he he might still be here, but it might not be Cincinnati basketball. I think Wes understands yeah. it. I think he gets it. And once he figures it, the players and the system, it, I, I'm optimistic, you know, and like, I think it's just a learning year for him. This is his first year in a really big job like this. Cause I would say this is a big job. I would say without, without bias, this is probably a top 20, a college basketball program, like with fan support, history, and you know potential, and you know money behind it, I th- I think it's it's in that top twenty. Well, one thing too, like I'm I I guess I would kind of agree with that. I think over the looking over the course of the period, definitely it'd be top twenty. I mean Bearcats for sure when it comes to wins and all of that, um, and richness of program history are in that realm. But I think right now too. Um, Considering the air around the program, I think it is definitely something that needs to have a bit of a culture revamp. Um, that's just personally, like I think what I see now um, is what you know we're we're getting back to that. But I think you know as we've kind of mentioned in multiple points between the you know Mick leaving and then uh, the two years of Brandon and how everything went downhill very quickly, losing every single one of our players to God knows what and God knows where. Um, and then now with Wes, like we're trying to build that back, but definitely I don't think it's like even culturally, I don't think it's at necessarily where it needs to be. Um, I think the fans are there too, but I think, I mean, Donnie, you could disagree with me too. Cause you've been at most of these games this year, but um, like I've even noticed it just watching on TV. Like it doesn't seem like, you know, the fans are at every game. I mean, I I'm biased because I've seen, you know, fifth, third sell, sold out every single week for you know months on end throughout the entire season of basketball um and that's just not what we have right now and i think it's definitely part of that... been a uh, it's been a late arriving crowd uh, yeah. and the student section i think hasn't quite filled in as much as i'd like to or i remember it uh up in the upper levels where i am with all the other pores uh you know we're, we're cheering but uh I, I did happen to have seats down at the lower level of the last game uh through a family connection and man, it's quiet down there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so just, I don't it, know if that's the new, new arena, but yeah, I mean, people, people don't have that much reason to be excited. And, and this game wasn't even a, this is a weekend game. So you couldn't blame like coming from work or whatnot, but people were still right. just like slowly following in as the game was already started. Yeah. And honestly, I think, but that's, you know, and that's kind of my sticking point here is that I just feel like, the demand, you know, and of course that, like you said too, a lot of that's going to come down to just the way the years rolled out, but you know, the demand for trying to get into fifth third for a game, like it just doesn't feel like it's the same as it should be. 
Um, and that's where I really feel like I just, there needs to be a bit of a, you know, shot in the ass when it comes to just Bearcats culture. Just, I, I, some, some more things need to click. Um, and I think it'll get there. Um, and obviously a lot of that is just going to equate to success on the court. Um, but I think the biggest thing too, like we've just mentioned, and I don't want to harp on this too much longer, um, because I do want to mention the point that I had about, you know, Wes's potential, but, um, it definitely like just the, the effort and games and like Wes is out there screaming his head off, but like, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it's transitioning all the time, um, you know, to success on the court. And of course we have some moments where we'll go on like a little run. Um, we saw it here with the temple game where it's like, you know, we'd make a bucket and then, you know, there'd be energy. People want to scream. They're ready to explode. They're ready to go. And then like, it's just go right down two, three, four seconds into the shot clock. And we're hucking up a three or, you know, just going to the bucket and getting bullied off the ball. And the arena just goes silent. And it, like those kind of moments, it's really tough. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of one of those things where from Wes, I really just would love to see that consistent coaching that we saw at the end of the temple game, um, as mentioned earlier, the, you know, the last minute they're playing hard and he, you know, there's plays are getting drawn up. You can see, um, their success and they're, you know, getting points back on the board to try to stay in it, but it's a game they already played themselves out of. Um, and I just don't want us to be in a position where we're playing ourselves out of games anymore. I'm going to go on too much of a rant on as I've already have, but last point, um, <laughs> Wes, in uh, sort of the potential. I do definitely uh, think that within the next five years, um, I would, I would say, I would say sweet 16 is my expectation. Um, And I think that's a fair, like that's an expectation. Not a weekend. And if he does that, he solidifies another five years. That's just how a question about them. That's going to be Jeremiah Davenport's senior year. And you know how. How many times like the half court. Logo and thing, <laughs> letting it fly. Hopefully um, it'll look like Steph Curry during the all-star. Game. But building was packed. People were there for tip off. Everybody was in their seat, and like you know, and that was an amazing atmosphere. Even because we went together, like I think that was an incredible atmosphere. And like you know, that was a game where a lot of people had complained earlier that year that there was no crowd noise at NKU, that people weren't bringing the fire, and like people were showing up late, traffic, all that. But this team matters. People are going to go out of their way and make sure, okay, I'm in my seat by tip-off. Yeah, Dude, it's crazy that we were getting better student sections in NKU than we're getting this year on That's campus. what I'm saying. Like, it's stupid. It doesn't really... Absolutely absurd. Yeah. Like, so, and- I mean, tie, tie that to the performance of the team, but even early in the season, I guess that they, we were all distracted by the football team. But early in the yeah. season, we were 5-0 and and had, like, uh, what was it? A big game against Georgia at one point early in the season. Uh, student section was not that tall at all. Yeah. 
it's just disheartening. And uh, uh, we actually sent me a DM, Justin, of uh, there was a, there's a good old notes app off uh, between a cheerleader <laughs> and one of the leaders of the Rally Cats. And I, I feel like we, we've had this discussion ever since we've been doing Viva the Cats about how students aren't as into the game as we would like them to be and how yeah. like Rally Cats suck at their job and need to be better at it. Like I feel like we've talked about that a billion times before. Yeah. And I'm really as a flat circle. Yeah, I, honestly, like it, it really has changed a lot. And I think even too, like other than, I mean, I remember hell, I mean, for non-fans of soccer, you might not know what a TIFO is, but, uh, you know, we had TIFOs go on for a little while for a lot of the bigger Bearcat games, at least. But that kind of like effort and energy where like, you know, students want to show out and the fans want to be there and like that racing to the seats kind of thing is just that's not our program anymore. Um, and it sucks to say that, but yeah, hopefully we'll it turns around. Huh? Wait till that Xavier game we'll this fall. Wait till that Xavier <laughs> game. That Xavier game is going to be like people are going to be hanging off the rafters for that one. <laughs> Let's hope. And well, actually, I want to mention something about Xavier real quick since we're on basketball and then we'll get back to the rest of what we have. Um, currently, Xavier is falling apart at the moment um, slightly. Um, and that's saying Damn. a lot from a team that uh, is 17 and 10 right now. But regardless, um, Xavier's just they've been in a bit of a pit and the fan base is very split. And, uh, you know, as after um, after our pod with the Roblob pod guy. I did not say that Roll blob pod guys. Um, you know, I followed a couple of them. And so now I just have Xavier in my stream a lot more than I would hope to and see, but it's so entertaining. Like half of them want to chop Travis Steele's head off. And the other half are like, you just got to hold out. We're making the tournament. This is our year, baby. And it's like <laughs> the fan base is so split, but regardless, it's entertaining to see them start to play right out of the end of the year. Um, and this is a really telltale season for them because Travis Steele's in what, season three or four now? I think three. Four. four. Yeah, so like, and uh, he is what? He's yet to make the tournament, as I believe, the last time that the... Uh, Couldn't even make the tournament that, in 2020. I mean, what the hell? I know. Like, the last time that Xavier was in the tournament was with Chris Mack. Uh, so that's saying a lot, um, considering that he is also out of a job. Um, but... They just lost to Yukon, uh, and I believe they lost. Uh, who I gotta look at the rest of their schedule. Um, they lost to me... uh, St. John's last week. They lost to DePaul yeah St. John's before that. St. Uh, John's at home. Yeah, by the yeah, way, it's not it's not great. Not great. Um, <laughs> they, what's funny is about that. Like the last few games is that apparently they shoot the lowest three point percentage of any power five team, which if you've only watched them play against the Cincinnati Bearcats over the past 10 years, you would be absolutely shocked by because <laughs> it feels like they make at least uh, 25 threes in every crosstown shootout. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, it's just that, shocking. That, that's the biggest thing with Xavier is like there. I, th I think that I've seen at least is they have some inconsistencies too, but I will give them the due credit uh, the Big East is definitely something different this year, and especially when you have a team like Providence who's been rolling through everybody um, and, you know, a team that, like, you know, from what all from what we know, the Friars are not, um, you know, a top 10 team that we've, you know, kind of grown up with. This is a different kind of level of Big East play uh, for them now and some of the, 
tried and true names of the Big East aren't doing quite as well. Um, which again, I still believe that we are uh, we ha- should have the naming rights to the Big East. We should have never given those up. I don't know why we're the American Conference. That's a, another point for another day. Um, but yeah, it's just it's entertaining to see them start to fall apart. They're at seventeen and eight right now. Um, they're looking like uh, uh, currently a six or like between like a six and eight seed. Um, but if they continue to lose, which they do have to play Providence tomorrow night, top uh, or number 11 Providence, um, and then followed by Seton Hall and St. John's, who they already have lost to, um, they might find a way to slither out of that. And I, I severely, severely hope that they do it because that would be the only real icing to the end of this season as the Bearcats are um, probably going to miss the tournament. Um, unless we have some kind of crazy run in the conference tournament and Houston and Memphis and SMU and maybe even Tulane and Temple all cease to exist, uh, which clearly will not be happening. Um, But speaking of things that are much more positive, um, the football schedule has been released. So why don't you give us, uh, why don't you just run through that real quick? Tell us about tell us all about that, Steve. Yeah. So uh, let me pull up the schedule here. So obviously we're starting off with Arkansas hosting Kennesaw State. Then we go uh, to Miami, but it's actually at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, week three, week four hosting Indiana. That should be a, a great game to beat up on those bums uh, at home. And then the conference schedule looks incredibly easy to me. Now I'm. Definitely very overconfident about it, but uh, game uh, at Tulsa, South Florida, at SMU, at UCF, Navy, East Carolina, at Temple, Tulane. Like, miss Houston, you miss you miss Memphis. Like, those are the, the other two most talented teams in the league. Sorry, UCF, you guys really aren't that guy anymore. Um, not it, definitely just, not. <laughs> I see. Like, it's. I asked if we could set the over under at ten right now. Is I think is ten <laughs> too crazy? Is ten too wild? I'm no. I I'm with you on that. Easy. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I mean, what I will say about the American is that I feel like there's always uh, a team that kind of comes out of nowhere that's on your schedule that's actually pretty solid. Like two years ago, it was Tulsa. Uh, you know, they went to the conference championship. Uh, so I, I think one of those, a couple of those teams are going to be you know pretty solid. Uh, you know, Tulsa, SMU, and UCF could end up all being pretty solid. And, uh, you know, the national public isn't really going to give you much credit for those wins. Uh, you know, we could easily end up going 13-0 and once again this year, but be much further from the playoffs, even after making the playoffs. Uh, that's just kind of how it goes with our schedule. Just got to get through it, and uh, we'll be in the Big 12 before long. Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. I think, I think honestly... Um, you know, I'm not concerned about, uh, Florida tech, which Steve, um, we have to make sure we use that. I'm going to, I might have to dub in. Yeah. Donnie, did you see that cover before up. the, uh, the, yeah, I did see it. Game. The throwback game. Yeah. yeah. Florida tech forever, uh, from now on out. Uh, so never call Incredible. them, uh, university of central Florida. That is just incorrect. But, um, yeah, I honestly look at the schedule. Um, normally in my brain, like, all of my past experience would want to tell me that SMU would probably be the toughest team as far as like conference schedule goes. Um, but you know, they just lost their head coach. Uh, Sonny went to TCU, right? 
Yeah. I so mean, I, I just don't see anybody on here who and USF. They're USF. I think they'll be good after. Uh, you know, we Houston UCF and friends are out of the American, but really, I, I guess, I guess maybe I, I would hate to say Indiana, but Indiana or Arkansas, I think, would be the toughest one on the schedule. East Carolina could be good again. It seems like they're they've been a True. tough out, but that, that's a home game, so I like our chances there. Obviously, Navy, uh, Kennesaw State, both triple option teams that might be tough. Um, Indiana, uh, I don't know. I don't remember who they got as their uh, their their transfer quarterback. I think it was the guy from Mizzou, but it doesn't really scare me at all. Um, I feel like UCF is just going to be an unexpected tough game because they do have talent still. They do have some guys, but they I, I don't know. I don't. I, they lost like their uh, they lost Dylan Gabriel obviously to the transfer portal, and uh, I, they seem to like the guy that they had last year, um, and they still went eight and four last year. So I mean that's relatively speaking how bad we blew them out of the water they were still decent you know so and i i think they'll have something for us there but i don't know like i I, it's crazy to think that i could be this optimistic after seeing this schedule about another really good season but i think if evan prater or ben bryant really ain't uh those first four games we've got enough returning talent and enough guys where we could really make it make another run yeah well, and I think, you know, I think one thing that we could probably all agree on right now, um, based on just how last year went and with, you know, how this schedule looks right now, um, I, I feel like we we go 13-0 in this schedule and we still don't make the playoff. There's got to be there's got to be somebody else. I just don't see how we could with the schedule. Personally. We we already proved our point though. Like we made it this That's year. That's true. Really no, I agree. Worry about that anymore. Like, I mean, you know, people will still complain, but we proved our point. <laughs> so and that actually one thing I wanted to bring up, um, um, because this is just coming back to my mind. If I, if it wasn't this past week, it was maybe sometime last week. Um, the, was it, I guess the NCAA or, um, college football playoff structure, um, the organization through it within that uh, decided that they will be maintaining their current format until I think 2026, um, which is kind of depressing, <laughs> honestly, um, and really, I think, short-sighted um, because we've had very detailed conversations in length about you know our thoughts on the college football playoff and how that should be structured. But um, knowing that that will not change for yet another four seasons, um, I just feel like it's ignorant to all of the conversation around the college football playoffs and what people expect and what people want. Frustrating. Yeah, that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Steve. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, for us, it, we're in a slightly better position, you know, once we're in the Big 12. And, you know, hey, just got to – everyone's playing under the same rules. Just got to do what we can. I don't know. It's just like I, I knew this was probably going to happen, but it's kind of weird to see what college football is changing into. And uh, there's threats that the SEC might just do their own four-team playoff, which would I don't know. I that would suck too. But um, I I just don't like really where college football is heading, and I, I hope it's not really heading toward like that super league aspect that people yeah. are worried about. But and hey, if the Bearcats keep playing well enough, we might be one of those teams that gets to break away <laughs> into that Super League. I don't really want to think about that. That kind of 
is like I just don't want want that idea like that college football would do a breakaway thing. But yeah, it's it's crazy that they got together and they all and they decided that more football wasn't better than less football. But. And Shocking. somehow more money is not better for yeah, money in exactly. their pockets. Right. We got to protect the players' interests. Well, now you do after all those years of like not caring at all. I don't know. <laughs> well, if there's one thing that's certain um, amongst all the uncertainties, uh, Bearcats baseball is back. Uh, this is going to be our probably our final point here for the night, unless anybody else has something to bring up. But um, the Bearcats have started two and two on the weekend at Florida Gulf Coast, uh, and I'm going to let you guys run with this one. Yeah, so yeah, I won't. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Uh, no, Donnie, I want to. I want to hear from you first. So I watched just a couple of only the live stream, but I, I think we're supposed to have have a pretty good team this year. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert or anything. Yeah, I used to love going to games as a student. Uh, always, always nice and easy to go over there, show me ID, have a couple beers, and watch uh, Ian Happ smack some homers. Uh, but I, I think we got some exciting young players. Like they, they uh, AC seems pretty wide open. Bearcats are supposed to be pretty high up in the uh, projections. Definitely could have another solid season and maybe, maybe get us back to the tournament again. That was definitely very exciting a couple of years ago when that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, so I, I, I'll be, I'll be tuning in a little bit here and there, especially if the uh, NLB season doesn't, doesn't uh, happen as, as scheduled. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. It seemed like we, we picked up some, some players in the transfer portal, even in baseball. Uh, I think our Friday night starter is like a grad transfer. Uh, we got some pretty good young, uh, young players uh, in the batting lineup. I had that here a second ago. Let's see. Paul Comistack, Ryan Nicholson, and Griffin Merritt are all complete freaks. They all have multiple home runs already uh, just in one series. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear about how the team does. Uh, maybe go to a couple games and, and we'll see where it goes. It's a it's a cool time to be a part of that program just because obviously a few years ago they had the the run and uh, beaten Oregon State like that night UC Twitter was alive in May and it wasn't about a random Xavier debate it was actually about a sporting event so <laughs> that was pretty cool um, that that whole experience of like watching the team all the way to win that conference championship I think people were just really surprised by like how how it happened and then. That Sunday game, that was one of the most easy, carefree championship games that I've ever watched. And it, because that was like, incredible. What we what was the final score like twenty two to five or something? <laughs> Dude, that, yeah, that was that was nuts. I love that that team was so much fun too. Was it Joey Weimer doing the guitar out there? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, and then like it was like Jace Mercer and Eric Santiago, yeah. a bunch of bunch of big guys. But for a program that's never really like, I mean. You know, it's it's hard to have three really good programs at any school, and like, you know, when you sure. have football being good and basketball being good, it's hard to like expect baseball to be anything. But it's been really cool to watch Gibbons uh, come over from Xavier and really get this program up and running in a baseball city. Like, we should have a good baseball team in a baseball city like Cincinnati. And cool, man. Like, I uh, I definitely enjoyed watching that that regional is I, I love that first weekend of the college baseball tournament every year because the, those regionals are so much fun in the double elimination aspect and like the, the bracket style. I think that's such a fun, fun idea that you don't see literally anywhere else only in college baseball. And our guy Connor was talking to us in the chat 
uh, the other night. I guess like the best team in the conference, ECU, they got swept this weekend by a no-name team. So, I mean, they can work it out, obviously, and uh, you know, we can figure things out later. But it seems like the, the Cats have a real chance to be have a good stretch of success this year. And uh, I'm waiting for that mid, like mid-April game where we're somehow playing a number 10 team at home and we win somehow. I like, I think last year it was Louisville. They were like number three or number five in the nation. And, and we won the game on like a walk off in the 10th inning. Uh, and that, I remember like understanding there's a bunch of students there too, which was a great atmosphere. I, I think they, there's definitely something there and it's pretty cool. And, Something good to throw on in the background when there's no Major League Baseball. So, if you, listeners, if you've got ESPN Plus, turn it on and just watch the cast, man. They they got a double a doubleheader this weekend in a four game series against North Alabama, and then uh, next weekend of March fourth, fifth, and sixth, they have a four game set against Northwestern. At home. Yeah. All right. There you go. Looking forward to it. Baseball. Hell yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> at least the Bearcats Cats. will be playing. We'll see if the Reds end up uh, getting to play anything. Um, a quick quick question for both of you before we head out. I want to, if you're, if you're going to throw money on it, if I've got a gun to your head, when does MLB start this year? Or does it? Uh, one week late. First week of April. First weekend of April. Pretty good one. Um, I'm willing to say that they will start uh, start before May, um, like maybe even like the first day of May. But it looks like even though negotiations seem to be stalling, there's a lot of time still, and uh, they, I think they'd be really short sighted to try and cancel any games this year. So uh, the money will win overall, and they'll eventually agree to something and uh, get back to baseball. But I don't know. It's not looking. Not looking extremely exciting right now. Not incre- not incredibly optimistic. Well, I would probably have to agree with that. I'm going to put my money on third week of April. They're going to have to wait just long enough. It's going to push things back. And I don't know if that would delay the season at all and if that would shorten it, but who knows? Maybe we get the baseball that we want, which is just a shortened season where every game matters more. Ah, uh, that is all that we have for you guys this week. Um, hopefully there's something much more entertaining to talk about next week other than Bearcats basketball just continuing to disappoint us uh, week in and week out. We have UCF uh, tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Um, and then I would guess that's probably going to be Saturday, um, if I can do my math correctly, oh, Saturday night uh, against uh, USF at home where we will be donning the um, Cats throwbacks once more uh before the end of the season and hopefully uh we'll be one and one in those on the end of the season and not oh and two um and especially if we lose to south florida every nice thing you've heard me say about the bearcats this season uh is going to come off the board and i am not going to be happy so (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen um but anyways thank you guys for joining us this week uh thank you don for hopping on Um, it's always great to have another voice and uh always great to have especially yours Back on Viva oh, Cats. You flatter me, Justin. <laughs> Just like well, we're again. back in the old Bearcast studio. Oh, <laughs> wow. I missed that place. Shout out CCM. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, take care. Have a good week. Let's go, Bearcats. And 
Hopefully we come back with uh, two straight dubs. Cats, I'm cats. Do you, do you guys remember that that?